welcome to this episode of Comics Deserve Better. I'm here today with Brian. Hello, everybody. And Darcy. Hello. We are going to lead off this episode with a little bit of news, a little bit of scandals, unfortunately. Um, and then we are going to segue into talking about some of our favorite recent reads. Um, good, good mix of stuff from uh, books from Aftershock to Medium.com. Our main course this week is the fantasy comic Folklords from Boom. And then our looking forward is also going to be a good mix of um, titles. Brian, what is a big news story this week? Uh, I know the one of the biggest ones is uh, Gideon Falls, which is a very good horror book uh, from Image, written by uh, Jeff Lemire of uh, Descender fame, and um, it and Andreas Sortino on art. Well, it this series, which has been red hot the entire time is actually announced that they are coming to a conclusion what looks like it's going to be the conclusion that they want and it will be at the end of december and they're going to be having an 80 page uh, giant edition basically as the the end of this story which is if you haven't read it uh, before um essentially there's a black barn that uh, only certain people can see and it's basically a a portal to the other dimensions of different Gideon Falls. And it follows the story of a, of a priest who comes to one of these Gideon Falls, as well as a, a, um, another person who lives in, a, in a, another version of Gideon Falls kind of meeting each other, as well as trying to fight this evil. It's pretty good and crazy. It's hard to explain. It kind of makes me happy. I like when a story has an end, when a story is able to come to an end, I'm happy they got their end. It's kind of sad anytime a story comes to an end, but at the same time, take the day tripper route. You got there, beginning, middle, and end. Exactly. Especially comics, because mm. comics could just end out of nowhere. Or go on forever and ever and ever and ever. And be a slug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just excited. 80 pages of hundred. Andrea Sorrentino art that is just like mm. a treat I mean it I'm, is a treat I think I read the first two story arcs of of uh, Gideon Falls and so I'm like like about a year behind I think but I might have to catch up because yeah 80 pages of Sorrentino just letting seeing him let loose like he, he's one of those artists who like if he's drawing the book it's it's an instant buy for me mm. um, I mean he made Bendis's old man Logan like a, like he just yeah he is he he's awesome, and I don't know. I like him to. I like to see him do his do his own book by himself. But this <laughs> book, work. this book really flexes his his artistic talent as well because he's drawing, you know, like like cyberpunk, and he's drawing old western, and he's you know he's just he's doing everything in this book. Right. So it's just great. Yeah, he's so cool. I mean, he like he made he made Green Arrow into a must read. Yes. <laughs> green freaking arrow. A green arrow that was based on the TV show Green Arrow and it still made it good. So yeah. that book I was like it. that book was like I think that was like my favorite DC book at the time. Yes. I don't know. And and that was also Lemire too. So if you're a fan of that, this would be an also read. <laughs> would be Gideon Falls. Yeah. Yeah, I love it when my uh, my favorite artists get to kind of just noodle on their own, create their own projects. Um, 
yeah, I don't think there's really a good way to segue to our next thing. We'll be like, so, dun, dun, dun. So yeah, as I said earlier, there's no real smooth way to transition to this next next bit of news. Um, on on this show, we like we it's definitely more of a positive show. We like just to talk about independent comics we like and um, artists, writers, creators we like. But sometimes, you know, as as Jack Kirby maybe apocryphally said, comics will break your heart and. This week, um, Kate Leth, who, were you guys familiar with the work of Kate Leth? Apparently I read Hellcat and apparently she did that. And speaking of breaking your heart, apparently she did. So, <laughs> hey. And Brian? Same with, with Hellcat. I, I, I wouldn't have been able to locate her name until today, but I, yeah, I'm definitely familiar with her Hellcat run on, in Marvel. Yeah, I was just I, I was just doing that to show kind of like um, how like yeah I mean there were some some parts of the internet that like Kate Leth is a big deal. I uh, I, I think I first read her diary comics in like 2012, Kate or Die for Comics Alliance. Um, I had re- come out as bi then, and she was also like a bisexual cartoonist. And we I don't know I felt like we had like similar interest in outlooks on life, so I kind of followed her diary comics became a fan. I, I followed her um, Adventure Time graphic novels, Bravest Warriors, Hellcat. I was basically a Kate Leth beat reporter I, like for a couple years, like about a year for this now defunct LGBT site. So I was, a, I mean, I was definitely a fan. Um, but then, I don't know, of late, like a lot of stuff has come out about her. Um, racism, transphobia, um, fa- like fat phobia, the fat phobia was like a while ago, but, and the thing is like, it's hard to kind of find these things about her because she does this thing called dirty deleting where she just deletes and people hopes people forgets and comes back. But um, kind of to fast forward, I mean, we could, I could spend a whole day talking about this, this situation. It's like crazy, but her most recent um, thing happened when she had a following she used to do stuff for this uh, podcast called buffering the vampire slayer about the tv show buffy the vampire slayer and apparently she had some racist behavior towards um that that shows diversity consultant Mackenzie mcdade and i would encourage you to go to um uh, mcdade's instagram and she has two videos ex- explaining in detail what happened and kind of also giving some of the context for Kate Less behavior in the past. And also um, another good resource for that is uh, there's this Twitter account called Atom Eve, A-T-O-M Eve. And she has compiled some like basically receipts over the past 10 years. Um, so yeah, th- those are good kind of materials to educate yourself because there isn't really a lot of um, like news articles about it. And yeah, oh, and I forgot another big thing. So Kate Less back in the day used to run this group called the Valkyries about um, female comic store workers, but apparently they had huge racism issues as well. So yeah, th- and there are articles about that that you can yeah, track that's, down. That's the only thing I had heard of, but I didn't connect it with the woman who wrote Hellcat. Yeah. I didn't connect the woman who wrote Hellcat with her. But that Same. is the only thing I had heard of was the Valkyries breaking up because of uh, issues with racism. Right. Yeah, and it's it's like yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's because she like 
she jumps from, I mean, she started out as doing web comics, doing retail, then she jumped into mainstream comics, then she jumped into animation. I guess she jumped into podcasts for a second. So like, it's like people make mistakes for sure. And I mean, she was, I don't know, when she first, when I first was aware of her, she was younger than I am now. She was like early twenties and already had a pretty big audience, especially on Tumblr. This is when Tumblr was big. Guys, showing my age, just kidding. <laughs> What's I was Tumblr? Tumblr? Tumblr is big, yeah. Comics Tumblr was a thing. <laughs> oh, God. I was on and, manga Tumblr, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For the best, probably. Um, as So, yeah, so she had this huge audience and lots of fans, and I don't know. And But, but then she made a lot of mistakes, too. And but the thing is, like, there's just this pattern of her, like, just doing half-assed apologies for mistakes and not learning, just making the same mistakes over and over again and just... I mean, and it's, and it's wild. And like, you just see her slowly lose respect, slowly lose fans. She hasn't been canceled yet. She still like has, she has a, an OGN coming out in a couple, like about a year. And she has like, is running for some animated shows and stuff. Um, like one, I think one of the My Little Ponies and one of the Transformers. Hmm. But I, I just, it's just like interesting to see from someone who was seen hailed as this like great, you know, queer cartoonist, just, completely just kind of decline um and and i'm gonna be real and i don't want to i don't want to speak outside of school but i've had some in person you know I, I've, I've interacted with leth in person and she just i think someone said on twitter she, she comes across as like the regina george of comics mm -hmm. basically if you weren't you know if you weren't back then this is about like 26 so this is when the valkyries are still a thing back then if you weren't a valkyrie or a certain kind of valkyrie like probably i'm gonna, I'm gonna be probably like a white valkyrie <laughs> or um, yeah. or like uh you know a, a, a big comics creator like you you just you just didn't exist in her eyes at all and and probably probably the experience I, i've i've shared this with people i think i might have posted about it on twitter publicly but i kind of just want to put it on the record probably what made me, me personally, other than, you know, this stuff, like something that I personally experienced with Kate Left that made me lose the most respect for her. And it, it's going to sound really petty. I'm just going to say, uh, it was at FlameCon two years ago. And you know how most cons, they have like, you know, blasting some pump up music, getting people hyped. It was like, FlameCon's like that, except it's a little more gay, which of course it's FlameCon. Why not? She go, I see her go up to a con organizer and pretty much say their music sucks. And basically, like, I don't know, strong arm the con into playing her personal playlist. Like, I mean, I know that's comes, pretty petty, yeah. Yeah, it's like I mean, it's petty, but it's petty of her, right? It's absolutely, just like absolutely. And and I mean, and I feel like I, I mean, FlameCon is a small is a small one. It's not owned by Reed Pop or one of the wizard or i don't know one of the bigger con WonderCon or anything like that yeah it's it's a small you know it's a small con. it started out in just like a small hotel room in brooklyn like and it, it it's like the last con like they moved up into manhattan like it's definitely on the rise because there's a lot of lgbt comics fans and it's just a great space it's a very welcoming space for the most part so and and they didn't want to you know and then i and i don't know this was two years ago so i'm not I might be wrong about this, but I think she was also dragging the con on Twitter too. And she has over 60,000 followers on Twitter, which <laughs> she weaponized, like, it, so pretty much like they had, I mean, they had to acquiesce to her wishes or like she would have kind yeah. of 
earned her army and and it's happened in the past too like um one of the one of the many things in adam eve's read was apparently a few years ago some teenage fan artist said that um the character of valkyrie was bisexual which is true it's canon it is but absolutely then yeah this, then kate left quote tweeted this this uh young fan and said that she no she's lesbian and this fan got death threats so yeah so i don't know basically Kayleth is garbage um <laughs> is is the moral of the story and also on a little softer note you know sometimes people you either looked up to in the industry when you were younger or people you respected you know sometimes they're not great people and we've kind of seen a lot of that recently with warren ellis jason latour cameron stewart but also kate leth i mean yeah it's yeah in general i found it's better to like the book than the person making the book yeah <laughs> kind of ignore the person like the art death of the author yeah i like it very much um, death of the author yeah yeah it's and, and, and yeah and it's and it's kind of you know back in the day like when you just would interact with the creators through letters pages and you know maybe you would go to a i mean if you lived in a big city you would get to go to a convention or something but yes. now with like the, the rise of social media and instagram mm -hmm. live and just instantaneous access it's just kind of that whole creator fan critic especially in an industry as small as comics has just been crazy blurred and and it's honestly just something like i've been struggling with for the past i don't know like three four years maybe still and it's just just your, your role in the whole ecosystem and yeah it's crazy but it's just using misusing power as well you know it's just same old story it seems very much so and it goes back to i think part of that especially and she's not younger now but she certainly was younger like you said she was younger than you are now kind of thing i feel very bad for some people who are on the internet very very young and do get gigantic followers very very young and say stupid shit very very young yes and they get caught with it obviously she isn't learning from it so that's her own fault but you know some people do learn from it and they get stuck with it and so i feel sorry for those people but to the other side of it i'm very glad for the close connection we have through social media because we're finding out about the people that we wouldn't have known if we only had letters pages like we used to and they were able to hide behind those letters pages and we never knew about them because they were able to hide because they were so far away from us now they're not and their bullshit is right up front and we can ignore them and cancel them Mm -hmm. Or rather, they can get the consequences of their bullshit, which I rather yeah. enjoy. Yeah, I mean, it's, and the thing is, like, um, yeah, like, Leth has not responded, hasn't done an apology, hasn't responded to any of the stuff with, with buffering. And she just, honestly, she was just, co she was just copy posting some, some um, diversity stuff that, like, they show, they do with those, like, trainings for, like, co like college. I think it was, like, one of the colleges and university it was just like basic bullshit and yeah that's a, that's the a thing like she she like it's like 
she's like like a total hypocrite like she she you know was on this like especially like through her work she was you know body positivity intersectionality mm-hmm. queer characters but then she just like behind That's the back thing from hellcat like, yeah it's some like i know like i know i'm like like i'm like like yeah like her her fat phobic post which she didn't apologize for back then she deleted <laughs> back to the dirt dirty deleting is the theme of the day and yeah she's you know, if you apologize and learn from your mistakes, I mean, everyone makes mistakes. And, yeah. But the whole point of making them is so that you don't do them again. Right. So. And, and I think just the pattern with her has been she, 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 she fucks up and then disappears from social media for a few weeks, keeps doing her little bat comics or whatever um, <laughs> that are, like, not that good. And have slurs in them. Have a, one had a racist slur in it, um, and then she comes back and has like a new project and or some new merch and like she assumes that you know at least a, a decent amount of her percentage of her sixty thousand followers will accept it. But I don't. I honestly, I don't. I don't see her coming back from this one at all. Like the people I've seen, like I see, I've seen people who I thought would never drag her, like dragging her on social media out in the open like back in the day people would you know there'd be a little bit of a whisper network or people would use um wild card um, wild cards to hide her name but now people are just like out of the open like yeah so yeah well, here's hoping but uh but yeah just i don't know be a be a decent person you know we don't mess up but learn from your mistakes own up to it grow it's okay um yeah cool don't be like kate Leth. don't be yeah. like kate Leth. all right cool all right and on that incredibly negative note let i mean with, let us move on to our quick hits for this week so brian what is your quick hit okay um actually one of the longest names of a comic ever um undone by blood or the shadow of a wanted man Number five, uh, written by Lonnie Naylor and Zach Thompson, with um, Sammy Cavella on the uh, pencils and Jason Wardy on colors, and Hassan Otsame, I'm sorry, El um, on the um, on the letters. And I do apologize if I messed up that name. I apologize. <laughs> I tried, um, but um, essentially. This is the last uh, issue of this series. Um, it's two. It's essentially it's a modern day western and a uh, contemporary western at the exact same time. Uh, what what happens is a um, is there's a small town in Arizona that um, a shooting in a motel occurred occurred in about two years prior, and the only survivor of that shooting comes back to find the person that. Um, had had perpetrated this and meanwhile um, she's going through the town trying to figure out who had killed her family Um, she's reading a western novel about a serial character that uh, is is it's like an old the old kind of gunman western style um, character similar very similar to uh, Unforgiven to Clay Eastwood's character in that where the old gunman who hangs up the weapons to have a family and then gets forced to, to go back into the uh, into the life to uh, in this case to save save their family 
And so obviously these two stories that are going on at the, at the exact same time uh, per the reader of the, of the comic um, kind of are, are basically telling the same story in two different ways, kind of the way the uh, Tales of the Black Freighter told the story of Watchmen during while reading that so the comic and the comic you know has been done before but it's a good it's a good motif and i like it and it really works with this so modern western old western all together very good cool yeah i read the first couple issues and it it's pretty awesome i mean definitely uh, definitely like some cohen brother vibes mm-hmm. uh, especially the modern western like no country for old men and oh, d- definitely, and the, char- the characters are very Cohen-esque as well. Like even the modern characters are are very much Cohen brothers style, no like neo noir type characters. Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of dark humor, and yeah, definitely. This is one I, I definitely want to catch up on. I'm, I'm, I'm on a little bit of a. I just read. I actually read. I read Pulp, Brubaker Baker and Phillips Pulp. So I'm on a little bit of a, little bit of a western kick. So I mean, yes. I think there aren't too many westerns in comics so i think that might be the next one in the list which is kind of sad but honestly i think it's it's just a reality that i mean i'm gonna be real the western genre is kind of seen better days but it's i don't know but like but it's but it kind of makes you appreciate it more like you get maybe a couple westerns a year but you like appreciate them unlike back you know back in the day it was like singing they would come out with like 10 singing cowboy movies. Well, quality over quantity. Um, I, my father-in-law is a huge John Wayne fan and we have, we have John Wayne on the TV constantly here. And, and it's, you know, there's some great gems in there, but um, you know, I mean, like obviously with with a, you know, a genre that has so many types of so many movies, you're going to have some bad ones. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a Wayne Like the fan. Ronald Reagan Westerns? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Taking jabs at Ronald Reagan. Nice. I like, yeah, his are really bad. He his are really bad, yeah. Did he sing in yeah. his? No, I don't think he could. I no. think I've really only seen some of his war movies, but I don't know. The propaganda, the war propaganda he, that he later thought he was actually in war about? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like when he teaches a monkey how to do stuff, personally. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Or right. oh, excuse me, not a monkey, but a, a an ape. Oops. I apologize. It's okay. Yeah. We all make mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Um. So, Darcy, what was your quick hit this week? Uh, I'm doing Helena Rose, which is a very short title, actually. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, I've got a cough. Excuse me. Uh, it's by E.O. Levendorf, who has done, as far as I can tell, nothing else. Uh, not even the sequel to Helena Rose, because it never came out. Uh, Sonia Liao and Veronica Fish. Veronica Fish, who colored this book, has done tons of other things. I love uh, Veronica Fish so much. Right. His colors, art, has done so much other stuff. So Veronica Fish has done, like, the when spider woman had a baby that whole art done that was on spider gwen squirrel girls been on archie veronica fish very good very famous very whatever uh but helena rose is very short 
one issue indie that finishes with a kind of cliffhanger that could have gone on to a second issue. And I think they expected it to have a second issue, but just didn't. I don't know why. I can't find out why, Oh, but it didn't. I know why. You know why? So Emmett Comics went defunct. So you could put it under something else. They could have self-published. They could have done anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, but but yeah, Emmett Comics went. They used to be part of Rosie Press, which is really right. Cool. Uh, yeah. Romance Comics imprint, short, unfortunately mm-hmm. short lived. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I just I couldn't find out why they didn't do it anywhere else. Why this person never did anything else? Why? Hmm. Yeah, I couldn't find out why they just anyway. So the basic idea of the comic is it's a sci-fi fairy tale basically this girl is born in this world where everyone has a flower in their chest Uh, every family has a different flower their family has a rose shocking Uh, when she's born she's born dead she's been told Uh, but her mom kisses her and she comes back to life and she kind of goes through life with this big fishbowl on her head she can't be let out of it or she'll die because she's allergic to the world She's very witty. She's very funny. She's kind of, I'm going to go out in the world and live my best life and be just crazy because I could die anyway. And her family is very protective and overprotected of of her. She's got a little brother who she kind of manipulates to do whatever she wants. Her father is going to write the best novel ever, but can't get past page two. So they've got (laughs) this really interesting family dynamic. She's got an uncle who's kind of disappeared. And I think who was going to be part of the second issue if the second issue ever got written. Um, but the uncle left all these interesting experiments in their attic. And so she and her brother often go upstairs to like build weapons and do weird stuff because she's an inventor. And so it's just about Helena and her brother doing all this dangerous stuff and her mom trying to stop her. And one day she kind of breaks open her fishbowl and it's not called a fishbowl obviously but it looks like a fishbowl and her mom tries to is basically going to like ruin the family to try to do this experimental medicine thing to try to save her life and uh, fix her rose which is kind of falling apart inside of her and so it's what's Helena going to do to try to protect her family and protect herself and go on to live her best life And it's a really interesting book. The art's very kind of quirky and cute. The coloring is amazing. It's sort of this vibrant pastel. Uh, The brother is often in black and white for some reason. Um, But like the flowers are always fully colored. Um, It's just a really beautiful book to read. The, The writing is so incredibly good. It just every time I go back all the time and look at this book, it's 99 cents on Comixology right now. I go back constantly and check the author to see if they've written anything else because it's such a funny book. It just to me is such a tragedy that this person hasn't written more because I want to read more. Uh, So it's constantly, it constantly depresses me that there's not more of this series. Um, But this one issue is such a good issue that I recommend it to all kinds of people because it's so much fun to read. Yeah, it's that's super sad. It didn't we didn't get to see a conclusion to it. It is super sad, but it's as a one shot, 
it still finishes on this good, positive, optimistic note. It's a note that, oh, I can go on and write more, but it's still a good, you know, I'm going to do this thing. And that's a positive ending. Yeah, it, it actually has closure, unlike a mm. upcoming book we're going to discuss on the show. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, yeah, because I, I think I got, when I, when I saw you, the book in the show notes, I think I got Emmett mixed up with Limerence, the, uh, the erotic imprint of Oni Press. So I'm like, mm. oh yeah, Emmett Comics, that came out, that was like, they bought Rosie Press like five years, I don't know, it was a long time, it seems like a long time ago. So, yeah, you know, maybe, yeah, hopefully. I keep thinking maybe they died or something. Uh, that would really suck. It would really, really suck, but maybe they'll come out with another one. It's the only thing I can think of because it's, you know, or maybe they just yeah. don't want to do it, or maybe they just can't think of something, or, you know, I don't know. It could be lots of reasons. I found their Twitter, and the last it's only, th- it's only got, like, one tweet on yeah, it. Yeah, 2016. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's about because I, I went to I went to a panel for these guys like 2015 at New York Comic Con and mm-hmm. was very impressed. And but, uh, it's such a good book. Yeah, it's so depressing. And it's so funny. The dialogue is just amazingly good. I don't know. It's depressing, but it's a great read. It's a what? great. It works fantastic as a one shot. Let's add it to the list of great unfinished comics. Probably, definitely. <laughs> the, probably the number one for me is like, freaking. I need I need Miracle Man to get wrapped up eventually. It's yeah. Huge Neil Neil Gaiman, Alan Moore, Mark Buckingham epic. It, apparently, it'll apparently Mark Buckingham's working on pages for it, and I, I believe him, but because Fables isn't a thing anymore. So, yeah. Um. Yeah. So my. Um, my quick hit is a lot different. Um, it's, it's actually a comic on medium.com called Checking Out by Sasha Mardu. And basically it's the account of a, I think it's in Canada. Um, it's about a public library worker uh, being life as a public library worker in, during COVID, which is, um, I work at a library, so it's, it was very relatable to me. And basically how this, worker and her team are completely exploited by their CEO and um and like even and basically he this guy has no emotional intelligence at all and just is basically like treating like hey you know we paid your salary well there was a shutdown order like if you don't like it work at Walmart or work at I think it's in the United States I don't I don't know. It, the, the setting is very, new, very generic, which works for the story because there's, it, it's a lot of, there's a lot of just symbolism um, being used. Like her art is in, in her, like a lot of text, a lot of symbolism. Like I really love, there's an image early in the issue um, where it's like, there's like a, a laptop and these like lines coming from the laptop that basically symbolize just like really stressful emails. Like, if, I mean, if you've ever been in a stressful email exchange, like you can you can definitely relate Constantly, to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like the back and forth and like then then the double emails and yeah. So and it's really cool and it's also like um it's yeah, it's very vulnerable because the writer of the book, um, she the writer of the comic, she emailed, you know, senior management for this big public library that, hey, I don't feel safe working or reopening. Like, what are we doing to keep people safe? And she just gets kind of brushed off. Um, which is kind of very messed up. Like, 
Yeah. And, but then you kind of see her like eventually coming to the realization that she doesn't want to work there anymore and that her safety and her kids' safety is more important than her like job and which is really, and then she, she does a good job of also acknowledging like her privilege in the situation because she, she can, you know, she, she start she's developing as a cartoonist. So she does have that stream of income. Um, but understanding like for some of her coworkers, like that's all they, all they have. And, uh, but yeah, it's good. It's, it's definitely, it's like a great, I think we've talked about a lot about in the show, we've talked a lot about comics that address COVID-19. It's something yeah, you want to, like you want to read, like, it, it definitely shows you what it's like um, to be in the workforce with a just terrible management situation. And I'm like, look, lucky for me, I, I mean, I, I have a great support system right now, but for other, other folks I know, obviously I can name names or anything, like people are in those kind of situations where they're just like, yeah, well, we can't pay you, so bye, fend for yourself. Like, or just not, you know, not caring about the safety at all. Um, and yeah, and I don't, I don't really, I mean, I could definitely get really personal and dig deeper for sure. But I think, yeah, it just, it just shows that people, people just, even in, when you think about public library, like public, like libraries, you just think people, you know, doing it for the good of society, public good, but you have to deal, I mean, like finances are an issue and it's like, I don't know. It's really, it's really complex. And I, I think this comic does a really good job of just kind of teasing out like these kind of universal, like, like stress, like stress, anxiety. There's a, there's a therapy session at the end and the therapist is kind of like amazing, I guess. He just like gets everything that's going on. Like, I don't know. He just, he, he connects. He just, he, he gets the, the mindset of the manager and then her mindset and just, puts things together in this wonderful way, basically saying like work is like a transfer of energy and you want a positive transfer of energy, not a negative. And right. she, she basically realized like she was getting negative. So she's like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I've worked jobs where there's been definitely negative transfer of energy. So like I could definitely relate. Um, just coming home drained every day. Mm-hmm. Like... And, and you don't even know why sometimes it's just like, why am I so tired? And it's because it's just the job just takes it out of you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's honestly just life under capitalism mm-hmm. <laughs> in the United States. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's just, and it, and it's just, and I'm just like putting myself in her shoes and just like, like just some, she, she's so good at just like capturing the wording of some of people. She, like there's, there's a, like a good, a nice guy manager who kind of tries to, like they have this like good cop, bad cop routine during like a meeting. And he's like, hey, so you guys can have your wish list of safety items. Like, wish, the, yeah, wish list. Like, it's some kind of like bullshit posters or swag or something. Instead of like, yeah, we need face, we need shields for the circulation desk. We need, you know, hand sanitizer. We need all these things because it's this library, it seems like, it seems like a very busy public library in a major metro area. Like, like there's stacks on stacks on books and carts like <laughs> this is yeah so but yeah no it's really cool and it's you can go on medium and read for free uh, we'll have the link in the probably in our twitter so yeah if you want to know what it's like yeah 
for, to be to work at a library in COVID, check it out. And also, it's it's also a good a solid personal story too. And I definitely want to check out more work from this cartoonist. Um, yeah. Oh, she, so, sounds pretty good. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely like pretty wordy, but she uses words in like a creative way, like different kinds of lettering, different kinds of bubbles. Um, really good, like hot, using highlighters and. She's, yeah, she's a really good letterer for sure. Um, that's something I, I did a reread before the show and I'm like, this is, this is good lettering. Cause usually I think we've talked, I'm not really into text heavy comics, but I think the creative creativity of lettering um, helps. So yeah, check that's it out. Fun. It's free. It's literally free on medium. So <laughs> yeah. I, I'm fortunate to work in a small office and I just have mass respect for anyone who's doing a front facing job you know, right now, because it's just, it is even even my job, even my job where I'm in an office with two other people, it's still kind of stressful. And yet, when obviously people are you know in grocery stores or libraries or anywhere else that where there's people out, you know that are that there there's people coming in every day. You don't know where they've been. Then it, it's just insane. So, mass love and mass respect on that. Yeah, I mean, like, there's there's so many horror stories about, like, people going to libraries and refusing to wear masks, people spitting on, like, it just, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's crazy. And, and yeah, <laughs> it just, like, just for books. I mean, books yeah. are important, but they're not, like, it's that, that whole thing with, like, essential services. Oh, man. I could do a whole episode on this. It's crazy. <laughs> I'd probably get canceled, though. <laughs> cancel from comics cancel from life no i'm just kidding um so speaking of libraries actually um librarians are actually antagonists for the most part there's one kind of you know anti-hero-ish bro night guy night um in the our main main course this week which was uh brian's pick it's a it's a book called folklore it's, it's from boom studios it's written by Matt Kent, who we've mentioned on the show before. I think Darcy mentioned being a fan of. I love his, depth. Yeah, Department H, or I don't. Is it depth? Department H, depth. I honestly have no clue. I say depth because it's easier to say than Department H. And both are acceptable. And the art is by Matt Smith, who he's, I don't know, he's done some good work on his self-published book, Barbarian Lord, and he did this Crusaders versus bug alien things called Lake of Fire. That he's pretty he, he's really good at like fantasy magic art and he's and but the, but he's not the editor-in-chief of 2080 he's also my third favorite doctor <laughs> no I'm just... i know we, we had to get that out of the way yeah. and then colors by chris O'Halloran and jim campbell who yeah done a lot of books so basically the premise of folklords the main character is named ansel he lives in a kind of typical fairy tale fantasy definitely got Princess, uh, Princess Bride vibes from the setting. Um, but he's into basically cosplaying as like a 21st century yuppie. So that's kind of the, the opening gimmick. And his world is the kind of the, unlike, you know, things like standardized tests and college admissions, his world is really centered around the concept of quests. So every year, the, I don't know, the teenagers, college age, I guess college age kids, um, go on a quest and they pick a, they like, there's a big assembly 
and they go on a quest. And it's usually just like a bullshit fetch quest that you would do in like the first five minutes of like one of the Witcher games or something. But this year the quests are canceled by the librarians and the library, the librarians are not, they're like the opposite of what a librarian should be. They're total gatekeepers. Like they're straight out of 1984. They shush everyone. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's honestly pretty hilarious. And it's way, it's way, I think, I think it's cause I'm just so close to the material. It's just like way funnier than it should be for sure. But he does end up going on a quest for a folklore and that's kind of the plot of the series. So let's switch things up. Darcy, what did you think about folklore? What are your overall thoughts on the series? I think we're starting with me because I have already said I did not like it. All right, let's, let's, let's dig. I'm rather sad because as stated, I am a Matt Kent fan. So this was unexpected for me, but um, I've had some time to think about it and this is kind of where I'm at. And I feel terrible because I hate not liking stuff and I hate causing conflict because it makes me very stressed. But this is where we're going. Okay. So basically the idea is, and I think a lot of this has to do with my age and where I was when like things that were popular when I was young. So we're talking fourth wall breaking narration that was super popular when I was at a certain age that was crazy popular. Uh, fantasy that twisted fairy tale twisted rpg we're talking rpg world robin mckinley mercedes lackey had a whole thing this was crazy popular for like a long time i talked in the first episode about fables like this is something i kind of cut my teeth on reading when i was young so <laughs> i hate saying it i feel so terrible <laughs> Oh, that's fine. This cool. felt super basic to me, is the problem. <laughs> is like the foundation of all of this, the fourth wall breaking narrator, the twisted fairy tale, twisted RPG part of it was boring and basic versions of something I've seen done hundreds of times. So if you're going to set the foundation of your story on something and doing it in a boring way, <laughs> You have to have some emotionality somewhere. You have to have some interesting tone or some witticism or some characters I care about. But the characters are all annoying and terrible. <laughs> and I hated all of them. <laughs> and it's not really helped by the fact that I had just kind of re-gone over the Golden Compass and I had just watched his Dark Materials. Oh, okay. This makes sense HBO. now. This makes so sense now. You have this uh, That's a piece of context thing. That's so a piece of context a piece I of context. Yeah. That's done so <laughs> much better. Well, yeah. I mean, it's Philip Pullman. I mean, come on. This is, well, this is Matt Kitt. He's not yeah. terrible. Yeah, Depth is great. He can do characters that have I cried in every single issue of Depth. He can do characters that give me emotion. There is a page in fa Fables. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Folklords, uh, Archer's background, where he's telling the story about how he's found and his parents. And the art's giving you a completely different description of that story. That was my favorite part in the entire book. Because it's like, this is what I know 
and I remember, but this is what's actually happening. Like my parents didn't really love me so much. Like they thought I was a curse that I thought was super interesting. And I was afraid, like every panel I was reading, I was like, please God, don't let the narrator come talk to me. Please don't make this awful because this is actually super interesting for a second. But like every other part of it, I was just, it felt super cringy to me. It felt like Shrek without jokes. But I was like, Obviously, I don't want the fart jokes. Fart jokes are awful. Oh, my God. But, I love this Shrek comparison. I see it now. But, okay. But like, well, yeah. But, like, Like, just, Ugly is definitely a Shrek character. Ugly is Shrek, <laughs> ugly right? Is Shrek. Ugly is Shrek. Ugly is, like, Lady Shrek. And, and I think that Ugly is supposed to be commentary on, oh, we'll love your body or whatever, but she doesn't love her body. She never comes into some self-realization about loving herself because she's still going around kissing people. She's really rapey, for she's sure. She's still rapey. She's still an yeah. asshole. She's got some... She Why can, do you like this character, Brian? She's, she speaks it to other people. She tells, she, you know, when she's talking to Ansel, she speaks the right things, but yeah. her actions are awful. Oh, yeah. She has, good, she has really good dialogue, for sure. The, I think the, it was the dialogue for me as well as, as the juxtaposition like, of, of, of her actions don't match, the word, match her action, you know, her words. And I can see that. Again, like, I'm, I completely understand, like, bad characters being interesting. Mm-hmm. Take it back to his Dark Materials. Like, 90% of the characters in his Dark Materials are terrible people, but they're interesting. And you care about them. Like, I just forgot her mom's name. Spoilers for her Dark Materials. <laughs> Or his dark materials, what is whatever. All of the characters in those books are pretty much terrible people, but I cry for them half the time because they're going through shit and I feel it. But like Ansel's girlfriend, I didn't even realize was a girlfriend until they finally said it. Like yeah. there was no emotional connection between those characters. That was a complaint I had as well. Like and like it wasn't until my second reading of the the book that you don't even realize that the the character Demir, which is the the girlfriend, Demir. is is even like part of mo- most of the issues. Like like she's she's sneakily, sneakily following, sneakily in there, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so and, I and, caught it, but yeah. Yeah, I and now and that's the thing too is that so, um, real real quick is is that I think what what I could totally see it being derivative. And I can see it being kind of, as you were saying, Shreky, <laughs> and I agree. I think I think kind of the payoff, and what this, I think it's the potential to me that makes me like this book, because it I feel where it ends at the at, at after the last chapter, it it could become a really good and interesting and non-derivative series, you know, like because. There's gonna be like the idea of like basically he's he's going to be going on a quest to kill these folk lords and he doesn't want to kill so there's gonna be some questions of whether or not what's the morality of of murder or or what is there another way to solve problems I know that's kind of derivative as well but you know I think it'll be interesting in a in a fantasy setting for sure because like I understand, like, in a real-world setting, like, yeah, those quite, but, like, in a fantasy setting, I mean, when you're watching Lord of the Rings, you're not, Aragorn isn't having moral quandaries about killing orcs, or even, you know, if you want to go away from 
to from orcs to humans he's not having when he and Legolas and Gimli in the Return of the King take over the Corsair ship they're not like oh maybe these guys have a families and shit and there's one scene in like the extended edition of the two towers where Faramir actually like it's an amazing scene why the fuck bad for it yeah that's a great scene and it's it's from the book too i mean it's straight out of tolkien which it's why it's so good um and he's like and he's like looking at this dead um harad uh and he's like man maybe this guy wasn't really evil maybe he just was forced to sign up for some war in some faraway land and and it just like hits that realness like that you can tell like like back to tolkien's you know world war one history and honestly like I, I i did like folklords um i like i mean matt smith's art is really fun uh for sure he's he he is he's he's like he really he's really good at that kind of folksy storybook style fantasy but with a little bit of an edge um so he can he can get gross at times for sure but yeah. um there, and then, there's a lot of bprd and i think he has worked on bprd before but with the coloring and everything, I, I, I have I see a lot of Mignola in his in his work on the creepy stuff. I liked yeah. a lot of the onomatopoeias that went across. Like the sound effects were really good. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that actually is something I wanted to bring up. I think the whole point of this book is is basically the power of words. And and like and there's multiple scenes where the words don't match what's going on in the actual panels or like the words of ugly doesn't act don't actually match her actions you know and so um and then meanwhile the the fourth wall breaking narrator is essentially poo-pooing everything and 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 it's kind of changing things as they go along you know because they even though it is a driven story the it's it's kind of ironic because the the narrator doesn't want it to be a derivative story, and they're telling and they're trying to tell a more interesting story. Uh, that long explanation about what does "Once Upon a Time" mean was yeah. that supposed to be interesting? Um. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe maybe it's it's also a look into like the the intellectual breakdown of things where. You just you kind of ruin stuff by over into it analyzing it. Yeah, maybe, but it did kind of ruin it. That's the problem. Yeah, it reminded me. Of, okay, this, this is I'm gonna I'm just gonna dunk on some people. Um, the the dunk once away. Upon, the once upon a, it reminded me a lot of the the like simplistic analyses of fairy tales that my some of my classmates in my children's lit class had. Yeah, I'm just like, but, but okay, but like, but issue five. So, I think Context, I, like I, I didn't look at numbers. Oh, it's like the final issue, like the stuff with the, John Rule, the last part with, with okay. Tolkien, pretty much. I'm just that's so that that's like so like I liked issue one a lot, just as a straight up kind of fun teen questy fantasy thing, and then the middle issues were that I could take or leave them, but issue five, like kind of, it touched apart. Like I know you had like a personal negative connection to it, and this like kind of touched the vein of like why fantasy could be such a garbage genre the the 70s writer stereotype cigarettes yes whatever what oh god no just like just like people just felt like and and like people just trying to be 
trying to just continue like like guys like Terry Brooks who are to this day still trying to be freaking Tolkien instead of you know yeah. moving the fuck on. I, yeah. I like I like that so much. And the thing is like that's like I, I so I complain about the book Die a lot on this podcast. Sorry. You've only complained about the book once. Okay, all right. And it wasn't really a complaint. It was you, I don't understand it sometimes. Yeah, that, was, that was your complaint. True. Um, <laughs> yeah, so at least it's interesting. But I, I actually interviewed Kieran Gillen, like, right when he was just hitting at what die would be. And he talked about, like, having a, a hate-fuck relationship with fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I think that Folklords number five does a better job of showing that hate fuck relationship with fantasy than anything in Die. Even the Tolkien issue of Die, which is amazing, which is honestly like I'm holding on to that series because I'm like, hey, you know, remember that Tolkien issue where he like dug into World War One and feeling like <laughs> cannon fodder and like the art was like fucking amazing. It was Stephanie That's Hans. a great issue. <laughs> like that's kind of what I'm holding on to that series. And, um, but instead, I'm just getting a lot of Dungeon and Dragon bullshit. <laughs> I've recently went from individual issues to train paperback read on that one because, because I feel it's going to read a lot better as a whole story. Yeah, it's probably the best. And honestly, I'm kind of glad. Like, I probably would have had a similar reaction to Folklore as Darcy did if I'd read it in single issues. Yeah. For um, sure. Well, you, you bring it up, and that's actually something I had written down in my notes. Um, and, and issue five is really a big part of it. And I love I like, issue five. Oh my god! I, I would like to. I would like to really hear your guys' opinion of this because I feel like you guys could probably break this down a lot better than I could. And that's um, the idea that the writer is ruining the story. <laughs> like the, you know, basically there's a beautiful world out there and the writers who are basically the folklores of the story are, are destroying this beautiful fantasy world by inhabiting it and trying to write about it. Yeah, I can see that. I, I mean, I can see that. I can see all of that. Like the story is the story is the story. Like that's a thing. I get it, but that doesn't make it interesting or good or me want to read it it just makes it annoying yeah in a way maybe the story was better before kent wrote it down <laughs> oh okay well well the, i like some i just i love just like the kent's writing for john rule in issue five because there's that scene where he's basically like i mean it's a, it's a lot of i mean it is one it is kind of kent telling on himself and being like hey i actually gave these characters psychological depths well maybe not so much Versus, but, it, so but, he, but, he, but like Kent does, like honestly, like Folklords 5 is like, I see it more as a work of criticism than as a, well, except for like your little teaser ending thing. Yeah. I see it more as like a work of criticism than like an actual story, especially the John Rule scenes. Where he's I talking, can see it as a work of criticism. Yeah, I can okay. see that. Cause especially. Talking, yeah, because he's talking about how like, because like one, like when you talk to like, academics about Tolkien and I think one reason why like Tolkien's not in say you know these these Norton anthologies behind me is his character like especially for the time like his characters kind of lack psychological depth which is one reason I love the the Jackson films because he he brought that to the he added that to that that wonderful world of Middle Earth so that was like 
so it was kind of cool like when when like basically like Kent was kind of having Tolkien tell on himself a little bit but but yeah it's but it's more like it's like okay so is this like a criticism or do you want to tell a good story um yeah and he just doesn't and it's and I mean some some stories can do both some Mm -hmm. some stories can do both like fucking with you um for example but but some it's just really hard in to do to critique the genre and tell an interesting story it's like you know walking and chewing bubble gum and yeah no i totally agree with you and i think i think what attracted me to it is also the fact that that it, I like I like the ideas that they were, they were that they were they were dishing out more than the actual story. <laughs> I think my problem is again, if you're going to have, you have to have one thing in there that is captivating, and there wasn't that one thing for me. If it's now, not the story, if it's not your base layer, if it's not your tone, if it's not your characters, what is it? And it's the theme. Do I have to get all the way to the last book well, for the well, theme? And like, and like, yeah. and like, the thing is, like, some comics, like, they can, I mean, you can tell a generic, I mean, let's just think of, like, Walt Simonson drew this book. Like you can tell like a generic fantasy story if you have a, like some great a great like cartoonist can carry it. I mean, right? The, uh, the art like, the art is good. I'm not saying the art. But art's but, but like good. but I don't think I don't think Smith and O'Halloran can can, can they're they're good they're they're good. Yeah. Like I actually love the blue tinged flashbacks of the real world. I I mean, have done so much more with that than just. And like, you can you can tell a kind of generic fairy tale story. If the characters are really interesting, yeah, like fables. I mean, like fables. Yeah. No, totally. And and I feel that they were. Tr- There's a lot of t- moments like the Hansel and Gretel thing and stuff that where they were trying to to be kind of an edgy fables and kind and of did not work. No. Dropped the ball. On yeah, that. the Hansel um, the Hansel and Gretel thing. Ooh, it was just. So so, on issue five. But was that the point? Yeah, and, and that's the thing too, because even the even the, someone says you know bread breadcrumbs take you to to bad places, and mm. that's a total you know hits it on the nose right there, you know. So that's uh, kind of what I'm. It was just it was so on the nose. It was very yeah. obvious. I was like, I get it, I get it, I get what you're doing. It was, I don't it, like it. It was a chance for you know Matt Smith to do gruesome, gruesome you know old school fairy tale stuff but yeah but like i, I feel like you need more of i mean and once again it's, it's 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 showing that the real world like the 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 art the writers are the ones ruining the stories because all the the um all the torture elements are from the real world they're not from fantasy world and so i think that's was the message of the hansel and gretel section yeah. as well which is kind of just like oh yeah this kind of mail on it and i don't know um, and, then, and then there are some cool ideas like out there like like the whole like the whole concept of librarians being instead of being you know mm-hmm. bringing information to people and access and being gatekeepers which in the past librarians have been gatekeepers right yeah the shushing thing 
is interesting because you've got you know the stereotype of a lot you know a librarian shushing like it's that it's really was fun. an interesting yeah. image i get it but it's funny you know hey yeah. there's something do something with that yeah and, <laughs> no, I, and, no. I, and, and like this in like the first and i also like I, I, I always like to say like issue one issue five and i like issue, issue one had just this kind of like rebel rebellious tone to it but then mm-hmm. you just get into fan it like and you think like, you know, maybe the librarians are going to be an actual, which they are down the road, but then you just get into Shrek mode. But then they also really, they also take the, uh, the librarians and make them, you know, like depowered at the end where the, the one other librarian, the rebellious librarian is able to, to convince everyone that the book that they have is the true book. And it just kind of, you know, shows this weird mentality of of you know the mob and crowds, and that maybe these librarians aren't as sinister or as scary as you think they are because you know they're smart. Yeah, smart exactly. And and that's actually I think what's great about the the shushing is that in re, in the real world, librarians are telling you to shush so everyone can concentrate and learn, and these librarians are telling you to shush because they don't want you to learn. They want everyone to be quiet. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Well, and there and there's like I think there's some some commentary on like fundamentalism and just yeah. just focusing on on having one story, having one I don't want to offend people's religions right now. Having one work control your entire life. Whether that's yeah. something religious, whether that's political, like all the, you know, people who were basically worship the United States Constitution even though it's a flawed document. From to be open. a living late, document that is flawed, yes. Yeah, from the late 18th century. That I mean, that oh god. Um, yeah, it just shows like the the importance of having nuance and not like because 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 if you have like you're just following one thing, someone can easily fool you and take you on another route and use bureaucratic loopholes and <laughs> put you in cults. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, are you telling me that a uh, a document that was written in the late uh, 18th century that contradicts itself by saying that all men are created equal and every single one of those people own slaves is is flawed (laughs) (laughs) definitely agree um no and the thing is too is that i think what i was saying earlier about the book um how it was the potential because i mean i think I would have given it a lesser grade until those last pages where all of a sudden you're in the real world and you have the the fantasy, you know, nerd. Uh, everyone looks at the way everyone looked at Ansel in the, in his village and doing the same thing as, as Ansel did, but in, you know, just opposite. And I thought that was kind of cool, like opening it up and the fact that those are actual places in New York. And, and I love, you know, the, the oh, oh I think I think like yeah. issue two. I'm like, yeah, it's a New York Public Library. Those big lions. Yeah, which I, I hated it more because of that. Oh, you I, did like I, the the end? No, yeah. I, I love I loved it. I'm like I loved it. I'm like yeah, New York Public Library, such a cool place. Not because of the New York Public Library, because of the girl at the end that was larping. Oh, I like I like that. That was awesome. Because of the his dark materials thing. Yeah, I can see that definitely. <laughs> And and I'm not as familiar with with that 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 series, so I mean I, that that could also be very much why I like. I think I think it's fine. I think I, it's it's, you're it's almost exactly how the show ends. Okay. And I had just watched the show like two days before. And and once again, someone did it better. And so 
<laughs> portal fiction is a thing. I mean, it's like so popular. You got Sean and Maguire series. You got magicians. Like it's, it's fine. It's, I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like complaining that a superhero movie ends with the superhero being the shit out of someone. Like, oh, I, think, I understand. I think it's just it's just showing it's, just, it's, it's portal it did fiction. bring it down for me. It's it's portal fiction. I mean, but at the same time, I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of bad superheroes because they just stick to the script. And the the superhero movies that are the best are the ones that, you know, kind of borrow from other genres and, you know, kind of play with everything. Or just and, But you also have blue light fatigue. Oh, there's yes. a blue light shining in the sky again. And, and the or, or the ones that are just wholesome as fuck, like Spider-Man 2, where he's, like, not in costume for, like, a third of the movie, and it's just, I don't know. I remember reading something about that a long time ago where everyone was calling him Peter Parker Man because, you know, he's never in his costume. In that but movie. I love it. But I love it. But it, was, it's, it still holds up for being a 15-year-old movie. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't mind it at all. Like, I thought it – I mean, if that, wasn't in, if that wasn't in the book, like – I probably would have definitely given it a lower score for sure. So it was kind of like, kind of like Kent and Smith kind of cooking with some extra gas at the end for me. And also, also like basically there needs to be volume two or like, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to turn into a Darcy. (laughs) Yeah. Cause if there's not volume, like they, they said like, I mean, some, like what we were talking about earlier, like some, some comics, like, Oh, there's there could be room for more, but it's it's like like a coherent thing. Like uh, I think Old Guard, to to a lesser extent. Yeah. Um, but like this one, it's like you have to. They they have this amazing epilogue that's in. You're just there's like, a lot missing out. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, what is Archer up to? What's that all about? What? Yeah. Exactly. I, I would I I would like to read more, maybe. That was a big complaint of mine too, is because Archer is made out to be a character that's it seems like he'd be the most interesting character in the whole the most story. Most interesting character, to and me. then he's nothing. Then he disappears. <laughs> he sucks. What, yeah, what, like, I, did, I liked him the most. I mean, was yeah. that a commentary on like in in like the Lord, especially in the Lord of the Rings books? Characters, who characters just randomly just, disappear. Yeah, they just, off. They disappear yeah. forever. Like I think the movies did a better job of it because people would have not. If, they, if you had just spent an entire, like, two-thirds of the two towers without Frodo and Sam, like, yeah, would be like, yeah. the fuck is the point of this movie? So. Gandalf, the, <laughs> Gandalf the, the living deus ex machina, you know, essentially. I mean, he, he is a guy. He is the deus ex machina. Well, just, uh, quick. And do folks have any final thoughts about folklords? Any complaints? Any Anything? Brian? Um... No, I speaking with you with, with you both kind of uh exposed the the warts of it and it is definitely derivative but at the same time, you know, it's it's a fun read to just you know, be by by the by the fire if it's winter, I guess, and just kind of read it, you know, on a or on a rainy like Sunday. So you know, not, not, nothing groundbreaking, just kind of a fun, you know a fun quick read for sure yeah and then it's the art like the matt smith art is just like old school storybook style so it definitely has that vibe for sure um i'll go if like i said i get it's trying to say something 
I don't mind that it's trying to say something. I get when books are trying to say something good for them. I did not care about reading what it was trying to say. It bored me to tears. I feel yeah, bad I mean, about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a fantasy dystopia and I, I think, I think I enjoyed it mostly as a, a genre exercise. The first, the introduction and conclusion and I think with introducing more folklords, I hope there's more takes on different fantasy authors. And also, like, honestly, I'm just like, we got this out of the way. Like, I'm, I'm prepared for volume. It's like, it's like to go back to superhero movies. It's like, we got the origin story out of the way. Now we can get to the good stuff. Yeah. Which is kind of sad, but I think, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to season two, uh, not season two, whatever, season two, I guess. Issue yeah. two. Issue two. Um, Folklords Part Two: The Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't. So I'm definitely looking forward to to Volume Two for sure. Cool. All right. So moving from our main course to looking forward. So Brian, what are you looking forward to? In um, I am looking forward to. Uh, it's a book called The Impending Blindness of Billy Scott, and it's written by Zoe Thorogood. And it is um, a graphic novel that's going to be coming out in September. And the reason why I'm talking about it now is that it's actually still available for pre-order, as well as there's a assigned a number print that you could get through the uh, publisher's Gumroad website. So it's it's uh, essentially the story um, from what what I've what I've read about it is about a, an artist who's going to have a gallery opening in a few months and all of a sudden finds out that they're going to be blind in two weeks. So it's essentially dealing with this you know this disability, especially for someone who you know uses their eyes to create things, and as well as you know kind of like you know trying to go through the motions of, of, of ma making sure that our life stays as normal as it can. I'm probably not explaining it too well, but it, it, um, the art looks great. The, the coloring looks wonderful. It seems a very nice personal story, you know, very, you know, it could be very heart wrenching as well. You know, like just the idea of loss, especially when it comes to something that you love. Yeah. I've looked at some, uh, I flipped through a few pages of it. Um, got got an advanced copy, and and yeah, Zoe Thorogood. Um, she did some she did some art, I think, on Poppy, the singer Poppy graphic novel, and she's really talented. And it's cool to see her t uh, do such a personal story. So I'm looking forward to it Sounds too. Really but I'll give yeah. you. Um, I gave that segment to you. So Darcy, what are you looking forward to? Okay. Um, I'm kind of doing a specific, but also a general. Uh, this week, uh, Manga Classics is doing or releasing uh, the Manga Classics print of Anne of Green Gables. Uh, manga Classics is, it does manga versions of classic literature. And again, this week they're doing Anne of Green Gables, but they do lots of classic literature. My favorite is Dracula. Um, and did, did, I, uh, Becky Cloonan do the art on that? I, yes, I think so. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure, but I think yeah. so. Uh, I used to teach English, specifically English literature. I taught lots of different things, but one of the things I taught was English literature and getting children to read classic literature can sometimes be quite difficult. Um, and these are actually really, really 
good. Uh, so if you have children that you're trying to get to read classic literature, or trying to get interested in classic stories, this is a really fabulous way to get kids into it. Uh, they're beautiful books. The art on them is always gorgeous. Uh, this one's being done by Crystal S. Chan. The art, I've only seen a couple of pages, but it looks really good. Uh, I'm kind of going by Dracula. Dracula is gorgeous. It's a gorgeous book. I love it so much. Uh, but they're very faithful to the source material. If you know anything about Anne of Green Gables, it's about this orphan girl who gets adopted uh, and kind of grows up with this family who doesn't at first really initially love her. And it's a ginger. Kind of wanted, it's a ginger. They kind <laughs> of wanted this other kid. Um, but she kind of grows into this uh, community, Green Gables, and um, makes friends and you know, there's drama and conflict and it's, it's just a really good very wholesome story very classic most people of a certain age kind of were forced to read it as children maybe didn't love it quite so much because you're forced to read it as or children watch, or watch the, this uh, is right or you watch the, the cartoon or you I, watch the there was an anime made of it okay i didn't see, <laughs> the, I didn't, I didn't see that. the cartoon there was like a mini series like at, i think disney Disney, I think you're right. I mean, Disney a did a mini series. I mean, a bunch of them. I watched them when I was a kid. I'm trying to think. There was a. I think there's a movie too. Yeah, and there was an, and There's there was been a, lots of things done for this. People just this like is, it a lot. People do. Well, it's very wholesome. I think it's very wholesome. People just love quir nice. people love quirky gingers. Just, just saying. Yeah. Experience. Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it's not wrong. Yes. And like especially if they're for all that for all that you're a very small segment of society. People love a redhead. People love a nice redhead. People love a hot redhead. People love an evil redhead. People love a redhead. <laughs> which yeah. which one of those is Ron Weasley? An this evil one. redhead, obviously. But no, but these are really, really great. I recommend all of them to anyone. But what's coming out this week and the reason why I felt I could talk about it is Anne of Green Gables for manga classics. Manga, good lord, manga classic. <laughs> I'll edit it out. Yeah, no, like, and for sure, um, like, uh, the community college library I worked at, we had a bunch of the manga classics, and mm. I, I was doing a weeding project with the graphic novels, and a lot of these, like, adaptations of classic works have really subpar art, but I was flipping through them, and I'm like, wow. They're really good. good. And then, yeah, like, the Dracula, I'm like, Becky Cloonan, early career Beautiful. Becky Cloonan. Like, awesome. hell yeah. So, uh, yeah, I definitely have to echo Darcy Simpson. And my, uh, what I'm looking forward to this week is the new installment of a series that I've been waiting for, for two years. There's a series from Black Mass Studios called The Last Song. It is about, it chronicles the history of this fictional LA band called Ecstasy. And it's done in black and white, very black and white zine feel. And basically like kind of the, the book, it, it's just like, it's like kind of like behind the music a little bit, but it just kind of shows you the raw realities of being in a band and all the highs and lows and drama and the tropes. And, um, but, the, but the good, the, but I think what really connects me to this book is the two main characters are like in love with each other and two guys in love with each other. So it's kind of cool. Um, and the main character remind, has kind of the, uh, I, don't, I don't know if our listeners are familiar with the band, The Manic Street Preachers. He looks a lot like um, Nicky Wire, the bassist in songwriter for the Manic Street Preachers, even though he's American, but whatever. Oops. It's cool. And it's cool when you really get to know the, like the characters and their personalities and, and it's awesome. And I like it. And I'm glad that 
finally get a new issue out. And thankfully, each issue is like 60 pages long, though. So it's like a, like a graphic novella. So that's, you get a pretty decent chunk of story. So I'm really interested because last, the last issue is when they like become famous and like, this is going to be kind of the decline. So you get, I don't know, we might get to see some aging rock star tropes. Okay. The best part of this, of uh, behind the music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get to see like their fat Elvis days, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Or the, the Gallagher brothers on cocaine or I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what Oasis went from doing like tight it used to be songs. about the music yeah it went from doing like tight four minute song like pop songs to like eight minute like monstrosities be here now <laughs> yeah exactly oh my god um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad no, we have a rip top five on the show yeah when we, were, well, when we were talking about uh, the loving the art not the artist I instantly think of Oasis yeah. for me <laughs> I, I like blur so much i mean i like probably my favorite rip-hop band would be i mean the manic street preachers don't like they're kind of on their own thing but i like i think pulp and suede are really good oh yeah definitely and a lot of and a lot of americans like elastica because they're pretty much just like a, a riot girl band yeah that happens to be british <laughs> okay that was a we went way <laughs> off topic but sorry I don't, give, I don't give a fuck so subscribe to comics is better on spotify itunes so several obscure podcatchers. So basically, yeah, if you have a whatever pot you use to listen to podcasts, subscribe to us, like us. Um, if there's something you really liked about this episode or something you thought was total garbage, email us at better at gmail.com. And also, I don't have a, what's the Twitter account? At CDB. Yep. Pod, at, CDB. at CDB pod. I'll edit it together. Yeah, just follow us at uh, CDB at CDB Pod. Um, we uh, we list the comics we discuss every week. Darcy does that faithfully. Uh, good job. Um, so you Thank can you. You know, read, buy, or read those comics. And yeah. And all right, Brian, where can folks find you personally on social media? Uh, well, on social media, uh, Twitter is Brian two eight one four, B R A I J I N. And the Instagram is Brygen underscore CB. And I'm actually trying, going to bring back something I used to do um, for, for a little while because I, I feel, you know, it's nothing with anyone else besides myself. But it's like you guys are, are promoting things and talking about things. I'm like, I want, I want to have something too. So <laughs> ne- next week I might actually have something to plug as well. So cool. And I that'll like, be probably through my social media. Awesome. Positive peer pressure. I love it. Darcy, <laughs> where can folks find you? I am at Books and Serial on Twitter. And speaking of promoting things, on Saturday, I will be live, t- live tweeting about DC Fandom is doing um, a reboot of Adventures of Superman radio show live. Mm. Uh, at 5 p.m. Central Time, American Central Time. And so I'm going to be listening to that and live tweeting about it. You can also find me at booksandserial.wordpress.com. And this week we have Nazi Eyes on Canada, my first Canadian radio serial. Cool. All right. Go Canada. And you can find me at Midnighter Bay, B-A-E, on Twitter. And you can find my writing at Graphic Policy, um, I am actually writing out one of the comics we talked about on the show. I'm not going to say which one, but you'll find out soon. 
All right. And everyone just keep enjoying comics, all kinds of comics, medium.com comics, image comics. Comics for everyone. Pretty much. Thank you, everyone.